I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Astro Radio Z. I'm your host, as always, Mr. Derek Carey, and alongside me is Amanda tonight. Hello. And with me tonight, you have not heard him since, I believe, episode four, the Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. I got my bud Ray back on the show. How you doing, Ray? Good. Happy to be here. Dude, that was a long time ago. It was at least three, four years ago. That was a while ago, yeah. Last but not least, I was lucky enough to go on his podcast a few months back and sit and make everyone in the world, including Sean Byron, realize that Black Roses is the greatest cinematic masterpiece ever (laughs) filmed. But I have brought on Mr. Parker Bowman from the Junk Food Dinners tonight. How you doing, Parker? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me on. It's fun to uh, be on podcasts that I don't have to like edit or like do work for. Just got to watch enjoyable ass Neil Breen movies. So this is delightful for me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll see how far that fun vacation goes tonight <laughs> with, with this amazing episode we're going to do tonight about the one, the only Neil Breen. Las Vegas, where anything goes. Enjoy it while you can. I'm about to end it all. My name is Aaron Brand. I always thought I was doing the right thing in preparing for life. I was the first in my class in college in computer science. I joined the military and became a fighter pilot and won many medals for distinguished service. I'm now a covert agent, a mercenary for any nation that wants to control another. I don't need much to live on anymore. I just eat tuna out of the can and live in the car. I control access to anything and everything, even from my little simple, brilliant setup. My orders from another country are to shut down the Las Vegas Strip for two months. I've been given this great power, but I'm so alone without the girl I love. My girlfriend and I always wanted to have children. I love you. And now all of that's been taken away from me. Confirmed. Oh, jeez. He is planning something very big. Bigger than 9-11 or any of the other larger catastrophes we caught in time after 9-11. It's me. Give me the president. Contact has been made. Governments don't dare try to kill me. Where does he go? He's on a quest. Don't ask, he's protected. You're a genius, the best, but you know that. No, this time, it's personal. I can't forget her, nor forgive them for what they did to us. Forgive me, forgive me. It's starting now. Marriage is over. Get out. I've got the package. 
It's a setup. No sex. Don't ask how I found you. I know everything. It broke open. Run! Holy shit, it's him! So many questions. I'm so confused. Can't go on with this. I can't go on with this. I'm an American. I'm an American. I love this country. My country. My daughter Megan was just diagnosed with brain cancer. Oh no, I'm so sorry. An assassination. We want to kill someone. As my listeners know, I kind of like really shitty movies. Just a tad, a little bit, a a smidge. How I did not hear of Neil Breen before that episode of Junk Food Dinner where you guys did Fateful Findings, I will not know. We actually were listening to Drunk Food Dinner on the way home from from someplace and had a discussion once the episode ended and we watched Faithful Findings about immediately. How almost. in God's <laughs> green earth have we not discovered upon this before? Because we both enjoy kind of cruddy movies. Well, right. Well, Double Down, Neil Breen's first movie mm-hmm. came out in 2004. Yes. For fuck's sake. Yes. Well, we were really thoroughly engrossed in junky movies really junky movies now neil breen i'm gonna turn this over to parker because he is the he right now is the man who introduced me to (laughs) this wonderful individual this auteur as some people (laughs) would say in the truest sense of the word um parker would you like to talk about who is neil breen and how did you come into finding out about him uh well neil breen is a man of mystery i've tried not to find out too much about his actual life uh but i do know that he was an architect in las vegas for a while and then he just decided to start making movies somehow uh i guess he had some money burning a hole in his pocket as evidenced by all these drones and the fact that one of these at least one of these movies is shot on 35 millimeter but um i came to know of him I'd like heard rumblings like in certain circles of the internet where people are like, oh, you know, if you like bad movies, check out this Neil Breen. And nowadays, like that's, you hear about that a lot. Like it used to be, there was only a, you know, so bad, they're good movies. Didn't pop up too often outside of like Troll 2 and, and stuff like that. But now they're popping up a lot. You know, you got your, your Birdemics and your The Rooms and everything like this. So I, I took it with a grain of salt, which was the worst mistake I ever made. <laughs> and... Then uh, I was watching, I think it was the Red Letter Media guys, like they had an episode about Neil Breen. And then I was like, oh shit, this dude that I've been telling people I'm not interested in for the last two years or something, like this, this, they're making it sound amazing. So I rushed out and I, oh no, actually I watched Fateful Findings on Amazon first. And then I rushed out to watch the Red Letter Media. And this was about four months ago or something like that. And uh, yeah, like just somehow one of these Neil Breen movies is on Amazon prime for free and uh yes anybody can watch it mm-hmm. and yeah it, it shook me to my core and and now i'm obsessed with the man it is flabbergasting <laughs> to me <laughs> it, 
Okay, you go ahead. Why did you just like give a, a laugh fart there? What, because I, mean, I didn't fart. Okay, can I clarify? I did not fart. <laughs> I wouldn't admit such a thing. Oh, oh. But um, I, I giggle because I'm just uh, nonplussed by the guy. Nonplussed means to be in a state of perplexity and bafflement. You don't really know how to respond. And that's exactly how I feel about him. I don't even know what to say. I grew up watching really shitty movies. Like, I did not know about the whole so bad it's good phenomena until way later. I mean, my brother Shane and I taped Troll 2 off a cable back in the 90s in its first run and watched it endlessly. There's an episode earlier this year where I brought Shane on and we talked about Howling New Moon Rising. I got that in 95 on VHS and we watched it endlessly. I, I must have lived a sheltered life because I did not know other people did the same stuff where they celebrated such shitty fucking movies. <laughs> So I have been firmly entrenched in this culture in which we did an episode called Bad Movie Culture uh, back right around the time Ray was on the show, which is about 10 years ago. And (laughs) it flabbergasted me that I've never heard of this guy because he is huge right now. He's one of these dudes that not only writes his movies, he directs his movies, he caters his movies, he edits his movies. He sound designs his movies. Well, quote unquote, sound designs his movies. I mean, I, I watched pass through his newest one today with headphones on. And it's obvious nobody did anything with the sound. It's <laughs> obvious he made a rough cut and then released that. But anyways, we won't get too far into that yet. He has about 15 credits. Um, and of those 15 credits for his whole film, he is listed as about nine of them. Well, and then in the credits, there will be auxiliary companies that will have worked on certain aspects of the film. And later in the credits, it'll say any credits or companies that have this letter or this letter actually mean that they were done by Neil Breen. Yeah. Which is astounding to me why you would even include that. Just say Neil Breen for Christ's sake. I mean. He wants to brand himself as a faceted a multifaceted individual i guess well i guess he likes to pad out those credits times because he also has credits like um lighting assistant none None. (laughs) (laughs) i mean what did you think of that first time you saw that parker i was shocked i would think that it would look i mean i i I agree with you i think maybe he's like either trying to pad out the runtime or make things look more professional by including a spot where like you know he sees other movies include lighting guy in (laughs) in the uh credits so he felt he should despite the fact he didn't have a lighting guy or i thought that maybe he was just showing off that he used natural light in such a brilliant way that he wanted to show (laughs) off that he didn't have a lighting guy I had not even considered that. <laughs> the, the use of the sun yeah. in this desert sequence is amazing. It's just astounding. <laughs> I like the way that the sun bounced off his scroll. Uh, yeah, or, or the, the way that it bounced off of the 17 cell phones that he yeah. carries around on him at all times. <laughs> Ray, yeah. how old how old do you figure Neil Breen is? <laughs> I don't know. I actually tried looking up some information on him and IMDb doesn't have that and Wiki doesn't have that information, but I'm guessing he's in his early fifties. 
but I really don't know. Wow, you are on the let's let's go around the horn here about this. You are really on the light end. How Amanda? How old do you think he is? Oh, I bet you he's pushing seventy. Parker? Yeah, I'd say probably mid sixties. He he looks deceptively aged in some of the earlier ones, but he kind of looks pretty old and passed through. Oh, he looks he really looks, old and past. He through. looks like a ragamuffin. Yeah. Well, it looks like one. He's losing his hair at a very alarming rate, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's very dyed. And he looks very well. Let's be honest. And passed through. He he is an artificial intelligent, a sentient being from another dimension that is also a heroin addict. Yeah. So maybe that was part of the character yeah. is that he had to look like he was about 116 years old. But anyway, so this is a this is a gentleman like Parker said that came into this being someone that was was an architect for many 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 years came into this very late in his life and decided to start making you can't really put a finger on what is the genre of films this individual makes because he has a number we were listening to an interview tonight about Neil Breen mm-hmm. and he said there were three things that he that tie all of his movies together. One is some sort of social commentary message, which usually is, I hate the fucking corporations and I hate the fucking man. And politicians and corrupt bankers. And, but. and this is not a subtext. It's not like you're watching Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> this is a pretty much like... In your, he literally says, oh, yeah. I hate corporations. <laughs> yeah, I hate corrupt politicians. You're, there's no reading between the lines here. With Neil Breen, yeah. Right. All the dialogue is literally people spouting off Neil Breen's thoughts on everything. They don't talk to each other like normal people. Did Did you find that very awkward, Ray, when you were watching this, how people actually, quote-unquote, talked to each other? It was. It's very disjointed, and I, maybe at this point I should throw in, I, if I haven't mentioned it, I have not seen Pass Through yet. Um, I will say Fateful Findings is probably in terms of dialogue at least and editing it's the smoothest of the movies i've seen i was kind of impressed because the first two movies the camera work and the dialogue it's it was almost like he just filmed a bunch of stuff and then artistically grabbed a few seconds here and there and just threw it in a big jumble and slapped it together because some of those conversations it's like wait did, did you hear what the dude talking to you just said you know, it's exceedingly disjointed throughout. Especially in uh, Double Down, which is his first one. We should yeah. probably tell the, the folks all well, the movies. There's there's four movies as of right now. His first one was Double Down. Second one was I Am Here, dot, 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 now. <laughs> and uh, Faithful Findings and his new one, Pass Through, which I don't even know if you can consider an actual film, to be honest. It's barely... It, it, my brain's still reeling because I just watched it a half hour yeah. ago, Amanda. Well, you were saying that he um, talks about how he has three common themes throughout his films. One is the social commentary. One is this kind of aura of mysticism, yep. um, you know, beings from other planets or uh, paranormal involvement of some kind. And the other is this idea of a long lost love or, um, you know, uh, um, you know, just star star crossed lovers. And yeah, so that was a really interesting interview to listen to. Well, I have a few other things that his movies have in common. <laughs> okay, go for it, Ray. No, I was just thinking of 
quality in general. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward nose to nose staring. There's a lot of that. that well, I think on. one thing is one big thing. And I know Parker can, mm. can talk to me about this is his fuck style. I think, oh, yeah. I think Neil Breen has a very unique fuck style. Parker, what would you like in Neil Breen's fuck style too? Um, well, I think his fuck style, especially in I am here now, uh, it's sort of like, like, I mean, you have like this really tight close up of him looking right in the face of this girl as they're fucking, (laughs) as he's practicing his fuck style. And it's real awkward. It's not like a normal human would look at another human. It's sort of like if you had like a a six week old puppy and you showed him a frog, like the way that that puppy looks at that frog, like quizzical and sort of like, should I be afraid of this or should I eat this? Should I cuddle this? Like, that's the way he looks at this woman. And it's fucking bizarre. I told Derek, it seems like he's a chicken staring at something like his head just tips and shifts really precariously every few seconds Mm -hmm. and backs up a little bit and goes forward and cocks and there's a blink or two. It's very odd. (laughs) Well, he's also the king of the side boob. Like all his movies, the women oddly are always laying face down flat on their chest at all times. The moment they take off their top, it's hard smash cut to them laying face down on their chest. Like they're not allowed. It's almost like I told her like uh, the end of Blair Witch Project where the dude had to go piss in the corner and couldn't look at the Blair Witch. Mm -hmm. These women can't look at Neil Breen once they take their tops off. Well, he made it a very big point in the interview we watched today. Oh, I must have missed this. You were just resting your eyes a little. Oh. oh. And he he made a very big point to talk about how – Because the interviewers asked him if there's something that you want your viewers to know about you and about your movies, what would that be? And really very quickly, he said that um, it was that he strives for professionalism, that all of his actors and actresses are paid typically SAG minimum, even though this is not a SAG film, this is what he reports, and that he is a professional in every sense, and these people are treated with respect, and they're professional actors, blah, blah, blah. So I wonder if the lack of nudity, and really the lack of swearing, because you don't see any swearing until... Uh, that's not true until pass-through. Yes, there's a lot of fucks Well, that's what I'm going to say, is pass-through. There's a love cussing and pass-through, but for the first three films, there's, there's no ill language for the most part. Um, but he goes out of his swearing. Way, but he goes out of his way in those movies to get these broads naked, right? And that's what I'm saying. I think that's where he's like, "Oh, this is me being edgy, but also respectable." No, by not showing a boot. Oh, I think you're reading way by too far in this. this. Not dude, getting a knocker out of. I don't think this guy wants to pay for the titty. I think you that's think they have to pay more for both? Well, of course they do. Oh, I don't what, know. Think, I've you, never you, done anything like that. Oh, when you film women and they want and you want them to get some titty out on oh, screen. God, that word's so gross. Okay, some boobies <laughs> out on the screen. Thank you. <laughs> titty you gotta to pay me for sounds it. like a trucker. Okay, let's call him let's call him that down. Because I mean he should, professionalism. Okay, let's let's break down what you just said. Professionalism. This is a dude who has no problems getting his balls out on camera well that was and being naked i mean we could go on forever about the fuck style in the sex in in these (laughs) movies because it's he has some of the most 
awkward sex scenes I've ever seen and in a movie, period, just, in all of these Yeah, movies. just not even just sex scenes, but even just embracing. When he's embracing women or they're supposed to be having a tender, affectionate moment, it is so horrible and cringy. It is it is weird, especially considering, I mean, he's hiring these ladies who are yeah. have to be 30, 40 years younger than he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite the fact that the characters are always his same age because he grew up yeah. loving them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when they were seven. Yeah. yeah. That was some fateful findings. Well, no, that was two of them. The first movie, remember, Double Down, uh, the, the opening monologue where he's like, I met the love of my life when I was seven and stayed with her forever. We loved each other and we're getting married. That's two movies where all, for some reason he falls in love with some girl when he's seven years old. Before he even recognizes he has a penis. Right. I mean, at seven, you really don't care much about that. Well, you know you have a penis. What, you think you boys don't know yeah, they have penises? Yeah, but you don't. There's your penis doesn't really have a profoundly influential aspect of your life. How do you know seven. that? What? I guess they don't. You're right. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> speak, oh, for, speak, speak for yourself here right. amongst let's take a vote guys was, was your penis a very a huge part of your life at, at seven years old ray can't really remember that far back but i'm gonna say <laughs> yes based on everything else <laughs> anyways let's not go down that rabbit hole um so so parker described the awkward sex scene where he's basically just staring like like a puppy at this woman in I'm Here Now. In uh, Double Down, his lo- all-time lover gets naked in a, in a was it, like a hot tub or well, a pool? Having, it's a, a tender moment, I think. Yeah, where he's going to ask her to, for, for marriage or whatnot. And she is wearing some cream undergarment, like a swimsuit or whatever. So it looks like she's sort of naked on the bottom and is topless but is looking at him and has her top side awkwardly positioned so she won't show any boob. And he obviously has his junk all hanging out all over the place. He's a closet pervert. What do you mean he's a closet pervert? I just, Derek, there is nothing normal about that human being, I think. Okay, let's not, let's not trash Neil Breen. I'm not. I appreciate I'm his just enthusiasm and, and his lust and passion for what he's doing. These are some of the weirdest sex scenes, they though. They are so weird. Faithful Findings also had a very interesting scene where he had been what what I, I, I it's been a little bit well, he had been shot in the, the face. Movies a well bit? we'll get into oh, the okay. movies themselves and all it but yeah. hit by a car. Oh yeah that's right. He gets epically hit by a car because Takes he drops his phone. Hard. Yeah. And he goes into the shower with his quote unquote wife and they just walk around in the in the water with each other smashed up against it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unbelievable. I released myself. How many it, it, very erotic stuff. Did you, did you find this stuff very erotic, Parker? Yeah, of course I did. I this is, it may, there's definitely some scenes in these movies that can make your penis hide to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to quote myself. But uh yeah, the, the scene that you're talking about where he, yeah, he gets hit by the car and then he escapes the hospital covered in bloody gauze and goes home to take a shower without taking the gauze off. 
and it, and his girlfriend or wife or whoever like comes in the shower and like they just start embracing despite the fact that he's wearing about three pounds of like gauze and <laughs> phantom like, of the opera band and he's bleeding yeah. so yeah. profusely that he should be comatose <laughs> yeah yeah he's bleeding profusely like it's really weird and i mean and that's about the most normal the sex scenes get in this like they don't get them much <laughs> much more erotic than that i suppose and then of well, course doing more of the awkward isn't that the and i should know this because i watched it a few days ago but these movies kind of blur together they do. Uh, the where you know he's having that sex scene with the the girl but he's also uh transmogrifying into undead neolithic doppelganger i, I think, guess oh i think that's in um i am here ellipses plus a period now <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, they yes. kind of blur together. They really do. I was actually thinking about that while I was watching it this morning. That I really have a. Di- I'm having a difficult time, despite the fact that we watched these films it, basically sequentially and within, I don't know, three days of each other, a week. Yeah, they really are uh, a blob in my brain. Well, let's be honest. <laughs> we watched Double Down. We had smoked some heavy doobies. <laughs> <laughs> So it's very easy <laughs> to have completely forgotten <laughs> what the hell happened in Double Down because the entire movie. And don't, lest we forget, we did eat a half a dozen donuts. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. It was gluttonous. It was a gluttonous viewing experience. Anyways, okay. So before we really get into each and every one of these movies, because I think we need to sit and have some fun and talk about these crazy-ass movies, um, let's talk a little bit more about Neil Breen himself. Um, So we've established he has certain common themes that run through the movies. He does everything himself. Uh, he he went from shooting on 35 millimeter to now shooting on digital video. He claims that as he's going along, he's, his films are getting more sophisticated. Um, after seeing Pastor, <laughs> I'd like to argue that point. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think it's going the other way. I think they're getting worse, believe it or not. I think they're getting more bizarre and just... Well, I think, I think in general, he's just getting a little more anxious and antsy to put it out there. Oh, so he's, it, it, they're just not having the, the finishing sheen put to them the way... <laughs> that's fucking asinine for me to say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> double down did. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that whole movie's <laughs> a voiceover for fuck's sake. <laughs> they are getting bigger in scope. Like, they have more like locations and more characters as they go on. Yeah. And maybe that's what he means by sophisticated is that they're (laughs) slightly more complex that way. Yeah. There's more actors than just him and one other woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Scenes contain more than two people at a time now. Yeah. And weren't just like people's heads talking Mm -hmm. to to somebody off screen. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and there are like actual props being used, you know, more so than, than in some of the original or the first movies, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I can see where he's coming from. They're getting, he's got that cool drone in the new one. So yeah, I mean, he's stepping things up in a way, but it is weird that in 10 years he hasn't gotten better at, at anything. <laughs> well, I, would, I would say Fateful Findings actually was. I mean, while watching that, I just thought overall, I mean, it, I would not call it smooth or with a sheen, but 
compared to Double Down and I Am Here Now, I thought Fateful Findings showed more effort uh, in terms of making it look good, having it run smoother in terms of editing and dialogue. But again, I haven't seen Pass Through, so I I have no grounds to, uh, I'm certainly not arguing that that one is a step back. with a new segment here on uh, Astro Radio Z called The Good, The Bad, and Ugly. Nobody else on the face of the planet has ever done this in their podcast. (laughs) I've never heard that title. Nope, nope. I actually came up with it myself. It's quite ingenious. I might copyright it. Uh, You should. Um, (laughs) We're going to go down. If we were to say what, if anything, is a, a good point of Neil Breen, Amanda, what would you say is something of quality that you would say is a good point? Of Neil Are we saying one of the four films or one part? Just of anything film about or? Neil Breen before we actually get to talking about the movies. Is there anything good about Neil Breen you would say? Yes. I think that he's incredibly motivated. And I think that he clearly has a passion for filmmaking and clearly has a passion for voicing his message in terms of his social and political views okay interesting i i personally if i'm gonna say anything i would say even though most people would consider these movies really super awful movies and by a technical means yes they are terribly made and most people ironically watch these movies which i'm sure all of us here do somebody with that kind of passion to go forward and put yourself out there like this to make these movies that are so cockamamie that they they barely are comprehensible i admire that so that's something that i that i find really enjoyable ray what would you say would be your good yeah you you two took it um i've been even while i was watching them the the movies i was like wow this guy is clearly passionate about this i mean he has to know that these movies suck in a lot of ways and he he has a message he's putting in his movies and he's getting it out there doesn't matter what anybody else thinks he's cool with that and so points to him for having balls like that yeah supposedly you know a lot of interviewers have come up to him and said hey you do realize most people are kind of laughing at your movies and considering them bad. And he goes, well, and, and he takes offense to that because I think he's genuinely trying to make good movies in his mind. Like he's not looking to make, this is, this was a big contentious point with Amanda and I, when we were watching these, we thought we were getting worked. We yeah. thought this was a work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
We were totally, we totally thought this was a work. I said, Derek, let's try and find some interviews by this guy and see if this is this kind of awkward stiffness is his normal personality or uh, like just who he is or what the heck is going on. Well, there's a lot of people out there that consider Birdemic a work. And by a work, if you guys don't know what that lingo means, is that that it's somebody that is making a bad movie on purpose, intentionally, intentionally trying to pull one over on people. And right. um, I am of the camp. Maybe it's just because of my background in film editing that I kind of watch certain ticks when I watch movies. And Birdemic always came off to me, at least, like a movie that. Um, just showcase somebody who had no idea how to edit. And as much as you want to try and, you know, do that intentionally, you have to just say, I don't give a fuck so hard to do that. It's it's very hard to sit and go, you know what? I don't think I'm going to, I'm just going to let the clip beneath these two crossfading clips stay there so that it faintly comes through on this like five frame crossfade. no, that's just somebody who has no fucking idea how to edit. And there's, that's why in, in this, I was convinced it was a work. Mm-hmm. Like Fateful Findings watching it, I was just like, there's no way. This can't be real. This dude fucking spilling coffee all over his laptops in his face. This is a goddamn work. I don't believe this whatsoever. <laughs> but I, I don't think it is. Yeah, I, I think that my man Sean Byron on the Junk Fudge show is kind of... I think he kind of subscribes to the idea that this is all kind of a work. And I don't know. I think it's easy to tell. Like, I mean, I think if you watch Birdemic 1 and then watch Birdemic 2. It's, Absolutely. It's real apparent that the first one is a sincere, bad movie. And yeah. the second one is a guy who's in on the joke now and is trying to make a bad movie. 100%. And and here I just don't get that. Although I do think that the best evidence in the in these Neil Breen movies that it's all a work is the fact that I don't and I mean maybe it's just Neil Breen's direction like maybe he has like a real big like a, a strong idea of how everybody should say their lines but everybody kind of says their lines the same exact way mm-hmm. and I I don't know for some reason that kind of reads false to me like everybody like everybody just got together and they're all like all right we'll all talk like robots because if you watch bad movies like there's a lot of different ways to act badly like there's you know a real robotic uncharismatic person there's the person who's hamming it up and kind of going too big there's the person who's like just can't command the the camera and is looking down the whole time or whatever it is but like all these people act badly in the same exact way and i think that's really weird uh but i don't know i still don't think it's work but i think that's like the best evidence towards it being a work i feel well don't you think that neil breen um is such an inept actor that when he's casting, he doesn't necessarily have an ability to to recognize a differentiation. Well, I have a feeling. This I don't is, know. I, the first time we watched uh, Faithful Findings, I literally looked at Amanda and I'm like, this is like it, uh, a David Lynch movie. Yeah. Yes. It very much <laughs> felt that way. Like if David Lynch had three bucks to rub together and a DV camera... And some of his buds, fateful findings would be the product. Well, if if David Lynch for some reason had zero artistic talent, 
That's <laughs> what fateful findings would be. And that's and, and I have a feeling it's just like certain people like certain things and certain modes of delivery. And David Lynch very much has his actors act in a certain way. Even in Twin Peaks, where you have all these, you know, very colorful characters that are very memorable, they all kind of have a certain cadence to how they how they act and how they um you know, move around within that cinematic space. Mm-hmm. Neil Breen's characters very much act that way as well, right? Yeah, I would agree. And I was, you know, when I'd watch his movies, I, I wondered if he intentionally, because he can't act, as if that for the most part, the other people in his movies are worse actors. <laughs> That's shocking. It's downright fucking I mean, shocking. I think so, yeah, I wonder if that was intentional. <laughs> because for the most part they they are they he's genuinely the best actor on screen a lot of times which obviously is saying nothing but <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable parker what would be your good uh well i i think that he uses stock footage legitimately well or as as good as it can be used in a movie right. yeah um Like, I don't think he overuses it. I think he uses things kind of at approximately the right time that they should be used, these weird stock footage things. So I think he he makes good use of that. And um, unlike so many filmmakers, he has something to say. Uh, And even if that thing is stupid, (laughs) uh, I I like that. Like, I you know, I mean, there's so many movies that come out now and it's just like, all right, yeah. You made your, you know, whatever it is. You made your uh, sci-fi original movie version of the Avengers with uh, Rumpelstiltskin as the bad guy, and you, <laughs> all right, fine, good for you. Like, but I mean, you know, so I, I appreciate that he's he seems very passionate about wanting to use movies to say something, which is kind of rare nowadays. I feel. Right. When the vast majority of people making genre film are making movies like Don't Fuck in the Woods. Or, or something of that nature. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's move on and let's go to the bad. Amanda, what would be the bad about Neil Green? <sighs> There's so much dead time in everything. You know, actors will say their line, completely stop. There's a little bit of dead time and then the next actor starts and then there's dead time and then it is to a new scene. There's so much dead time that it's painful. It's the pace. That Yeah, it's the pace of it that's just so horrendous. But again, if you have, um, you know, if you removed all that dead time, you probably wouldn't hit feature length in your film. Oh, 1000% to piggyback off of what Parker was talking mm-hmm. about with the stock footage. Yeah. You know, the vast majority of that stock footage is there. Because, well, he shot it on 35 millimeter Mm -hmm. and it was low budget, 35 millimeter to process, just shooting with film, very expensive. So he padded out that runtime to hit the 90 minute mark with stock footage. Yeah. So so takes go longer than they need to. Uh, Very, a lot of pregnant pauses Mm -hmm. in dialogue. Well, let's be honest, in Double Down, there's barely any actual dialogue. (laughs) But but I mean yes, the pacing and editing yeah. are are pretty awful. Ray, what's your bad? Uh, yeah, and it's kind of along the lines of what Amanda just said. But it's the editing and how it confuses things. 
Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you have those long pregnant pauses and it's just like, okay, you didn't have to shut off the camera earlier, but in the editing room, this should have been taken care of. It makes it hard to figure out where a movie is going. Double down. I just can't. Wait, is this the end of the introduction? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> no more, you know, explanation and uh, extraneous information. And he's narr- over, you know, voiceover more and more and more. And I'm 20, 25 minutes into the movie, and it still mm-hmm. sounds like the opening narration. <laughs> it's, like, it's like trying to, if, you know, pick out the actual climax of a James Bond movie because there's 12 of them in each James Bond movie. It's kind of the same thing with his openings. Where does the opening end? Right. <laughs> it doesn't. Right. I, I actually said that to Amanda when we were watching Double mm-hmm. Down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this going to be all voiceover? Yeah. The entire thing? When does this movie start? And I, I clicked on the plex. I'm like, oh, shit. We're 40 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fucking unbelievable. Just shocking. Uh, Parker, you're bad. Yeah, like you guys said, the editing is is bad, like both in like just like the long pauses where nothing's happening. And I I think that when he films some of this stuff, like – I was saying this on junk food, like sometimes it seems like people are saying three and four lines that should be intercut with something somebody else is saying, but like he just didn't feel like cutting it. So instead of you having somebody say, hi, how are you? And then another person saying, I'm good. How about you? And then them saying, oh, I'm fine. I'm going to go get something to eat later. Like you, you have the one person saying all of that stuff followed by the second person saying, all four of the, their lines like and it's really like weird and off-putting like i mean it's like um i forget which i think it was double down but like you have neil brain coming up to like his anthrax salesman or whatever and the guy's like <laughs> the guy's like oh hey it's been a long time since i've seen you are you keeping busy you look good uh yeah what's next for you oh nice car like and he says like all these lines that seem like somebody should be responding but they just never do. And so, so like, that's really weird and bad, I feel. It is indicative of the fact that he's editing these yeah. as well. <laughs> which, yeah. which poses the question, has he ever actually seen a movie? And knows or how that stuff con- plays. had a conversation with another human being. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, is, I don't know how many movies he watches. I feel like he has seen Interstellar as... Yeah, he steals an entire scene from it for pass through. But um, yeah, I don't know. Because I mean, if you watch a lot of movies, you would have to know that this is not how they work in a lot of respects. But well, and that's why I said to Derek after we watched the first one, I would be interested to watch some footage of him um, promoting his movies or something like that or in an interview because I would be curious to see what his social skills are. They're actually really good. And I've they, seen a few yes, interviews. He seems, to, he seems to be quite intelligent. He's articulate. He seems... Um, humble, actually, humble. about the, and, the stuff. Right, and focused um, in terms of the message he's trying to bring for that. So, for example, I watched a um, crowdfunding video of him today, and he stayed on point. Was that for pass-through? Yes, it was for pass-through. He stayed on point, and um, like I said, he was articulate, and he explained what he wanted to get out. And then you watch his films, and you're like, where did all of that go? I don't understand. <laughs> well, that's because <laughs> oh, everyone what talks. What everyone, I do not understand. <laughs> everyone, everyone talks like, Yes. Why are you doing this? Corporations are bad. 
<laughs> I have bank CEO friends that will sell us secrets for the right price. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am the greatest computer hacker of all time. Yeah. I hold oh. all the governments at large under my thumb. <laughs> all the secrets. <laughs> I know yeah. all the secrets. Yeah. No, I was confused. I was convinced after we watched the first one that he had some type of autism spectrum disorder where he did not have normal social skills or interactions, the ability to have a normal social interaction. It really was. I Okay, I think my bad, if I'm going to say anything's bad, is the fact that he has no idea how to, how to put a story together. Mm-hmm. None of these movies, other than um, Fateful Findings, which I, which I believe to a certain extent has an actual arc to it, I mean, that's being very generous. Because <laughs> the rest of the movies absolutely are just free form, and they really don't make much sense whatsoever. It, it's got to be his storytelling. It makes no sense. There's, the characters are either Neil Breen is a godlike character mm-hmm. who's either come from another universe down to spite the bad humans, or he's the greatest secret computer hacker agent writer of all time mm-hmm. looking to bring down the man. Mm-hmm. And every other character other than the the woman that he ends up either falling in love with or he comes across like a damsel in dis- distress, everyone else is a scumbag. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then things just kind of happen. I mean, people use bubble gum to plant tracers on cars with mm-hmm. shopping carts and... Uh, Diodes. They're just a little LED, <laughs> a little LED yeah. um, bald stuck in a piece of chewing gum. He angrily throws uh, empty tin cans out of trailers and it, <laughs> none of it makes any sense. None, so if I got to say a bad, it's got to be his storytelling. It's just it makes no sense. And if you cannot handle movies that meander and don't get to the plot or even have a plot, don't even bother with Neil Breen. You'll be infuriated the whole time. Yeah, you'll want to beat your head against the wall. So let's move on to the ugly, the down and out ugly of Neil Breen. Ray, what would be the ugly? Well, my my ugly is kind of, it's much like your bad. You know, what makes sense, what doesn't. And of the three movies I've seen, Double Down and Fateful Findings at least have some semblance of a story that I can kind of follow but I am here now is just, that's my ugly. I am here now is just, wah, trying to, keep up, <laughs> trying to keep up with it. You know, we have the opening sequence with motherboard Jesus. And yeah, and that makes the most sense of anything else in the movie. I'm just sitting here going, and it, it, it's also because it's so blatantly contradicting at times. I mean, I, I get that he's getting this message out there, and it's cool that he does that. But, you know, in the, for example, in the middle of I Am Here Now, you have those two women pushing the stroller down the street, and the, the blonde one is talking about how she just got fired from her environmental <laughs> job, and she wants to save the world and help people. And what else can she do with her life if she's not doing that? And then that's when this guy is comes down the street on a bike he falls over and wrecks and the person and the two girls just turn around and laugh at him like they're in sixth grade <laughs> while disgusting they, taking up prostitution yeah. <laughs> right yeah but i mean she just got done talking about 
my existence is to help people and I care so much about people and I want to help them. And oh, the dude that just <laughs> fell over on a bike and injured himself. That's friggin' hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, Ray, you and I are going to have words because if I was going to pick out my favorite of these movies, it's I Am Here Now. Are you out of your mind? Oh, Jesus Christ, I laugh my balls off at that movie. I will say it is my favorite in terms of it's the one I'm most likely to watch again because it is it is the worst of them. And I can sit here and actually get that twisted, you know, we, we all know what that is. We watch these movies for a reason. And that's the one that best fits that for me just i can sit back and it's so beyond <laughs> <laughs> oh boy we'll get into that a little bit later um parker what's your ugly about neil breen my ugly is all the wish fulfillment that goes on in these movies where yes <laughs> like it's you know it's him hiring these young girls to make out with and then it's him casting himself time and time again as like the coolest either the coolest like cyber hacker army dude in the world who can do anything and like the government's afraid of him so they just let him do what he wants and like all this kind of stuff or he's like an actual messiah like <laughs> i mean yes. yep it's it's real wild it's it's like watching an m night Shyamalan movie the way that this guy just <laughs> keeps casting himself in all the best roles in the movies all the most important roles you can tell he's he's like just very high on himself because it's like otherwise i mean uh, sometimes these aren't the biggest roles like i could see if him as a director he's putting up all this money if he wanted to have the biggest role in every movie but and i am here now his role despite the fact that he's a cyber messiah cyber demon type of thing uh is that's not the biggest role so he specifically wanted to be in the in the messiah role despite the fact that it didn't have the most screen time so i really think that he's super high on himself guy's a real fart sniffer we were talking about it today while we were watching an interview with him that he he in this interview did talk a lot about himself and i said wow this dude really likes to sniff his own fart well the thing is which is really funny about you know we had said he's he's humble earlier is that he has a very good perspective on what these movies are mm -hmm. but within these movies it totally is wish fulfillment. Mm -hmm. It's totally him. This this dude that I'm gonna posit is in his mid seventies, early to mid seventies. He gets naked at the drop of a hat and tries <laughs> to rub up his junk up on all of these women in these movies. In Double Down, the first movie, he literally talks about at length for at least fifteen minutes how amazing he is. My name is Aaron Brand. I always thought I was doing the right thing and preparing for life. I was the first in my class in college in computer science. I joined the military and became a fighter pilot and won many medals for distinguished service. All the medals he's won, he takes out that jean jacket, yeah. that cut-off jean jacket, <laughs> all the medals. The jean jacket does make an appearance in pass-through. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, he walks out, and I am here now. He, well, he descends from the heavens as uh, circuit board Jesus. Yeah, as that's his, what we were calling Oh, my God. Because he has circuit boards tied to his chest and his arms. <laughs> In the most fucking cockamamie thing I've seen on screen. I, I Man, I was... I couldn't even breathe. I was laughing so hard at that fucking scene. Oh, yeah. But it's totally wish fulfillment. Yeah. It, it absolutely is. 
I mean, it's a, it's a guy that his entire life, he's wanted to be the hero. He sees himself as a hero. All of his movies are very preachy about his social message, about corporations are ruining people. Greed is ruining people. People are awful to each other. And he wants to be the the change in his movies, want to be the change in people's minds to, to see the light. Very heavy-handedly. Yeah. Well, and those are not... Those are not poor messages to bring to people, but the way that he's doing it is in such a bizarre fashion. And in the particularly the most recent film, Pass Through, that we watched today, it's done in such a way that it's just like literally beat over your head over and over and over again that it's very off putting. Yeah, it's pretty bad. What would you say is your ugly? Oh, I, um, Derek really loves to watch cringe compilations on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Along with shitty Uh, dummy comps. I love shitty shitty dummy supercuts. But Derek really loves cringe supercuts on on YouTube. And sometimes he'll be laying in bed and he'll put it on. He's like, oh, a new cringe compilation. And he'll put it on. I have a hard time watching those because it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I... All so for me, the ugly in these movies is the scenes that are supposed to be romantic and connective between two people because they are so cringy. And I feel like the actresses, despite the fact that they are being paid to do this and um, are probably trying to put forth a good face for it have got to go home and like roll over and look at their husbands and be like, Oh my God, it was so horrible. It was so uncomfortable. They look like that chick in the Gene Simmons sex video (laughs) where he's wearing that polo shirt and he's plowing her and he's trying to give her a kiss and she won't kiss him. Right. That's what all of the sex scenes look like. It's, well, I can't say I've ever seen a Gene Simmons sex tape, but I... It's quite hilarious. He keeps his socks and the polo shirt on. I can't I can't hate him <laughs> for keeping socks on. My feet are always cold. Well, he's in but fucking the, L.A. How, how cold oh, is he going to get? Well, this is true. But I don't understand. Those scenes are the ugly for me. Hands down. They're funny, but they make me genuinely uncomfortable on my insides. They make me uncomfortable. <sighs> <sighs> what about you what about you ugly and this is going to be a, a purely geek thing just because of what i do for a living it the ugly is the editorial <laughs> and the and the sound editing in these films it, it's fun to watch these movies in a group and i think i i told amanda this because we both started watching pass through uh last night separately because she was working and i was home after a, a long shoot and I started listening to it in headphones and I almost could not stand it. There's something about, you know, once you start making your own movies and you put them out there and you spend years trying to, um, you just put these things together on your off time when you have a chance, uh, you know, cobble together a few minutes in between seeing your kids or coming home from work, catching a bite to eat, maybe having a date night with your, your special lady friend or whatever. So you go and make movies about heads that fly around, and eat people's dicks off and stuff like this. When you have the spare <laughs> moment, I'm not talking about anyone I know, obviously. Yeah, wink, no, wink. Um, I've spent so much time on certain movies that people would laugh at to make sure that they sound and feel a certain way. 
so it doesn't take people out of the movie. Everything about the construction of these movies takes me out of the movie almost instantly. And it's a fight for me to sit and like stay focused if I'm not laughing at what's on the screen. Because if you put your headphones on, especially with pass through, and I'm sorry, Ray, we keep talking about pass through, but it's the freshest one in our mind. It's it's almost unpalatable. It is. (laughs) It is so slapdash and thrown together that it is. It's really shocking and it's really disheartening to me. As uh, I I hate saying that I'm a filmmaker in any ways because I've I've only myself made a couple. And it, it feels rather pompous. Like, oh, I'm a filmmaker. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> um, but it just like it's disheartening. It's that whole thing like, man, I spend so much time working on these things with 10 cents to my name to try and put it out there so somebody will enjoy it. And this this schlub throws together this cockamamie movie where he's 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 sitting with a dig- digital fucking tiger in a in in a shitty like Neanderthal. Uh, glove painting spirals on a cave wall and and it, it literally halfway through dialogue it cuts abruptly without even a crossfade between the two audio clips and it just it's just like and people are watching and paying thirty dollars a copy for this fucking thing so the, <laughs> the ugly to me is that is that movies that are this bad are getting all this attention he's actually making a living making these pieces of shit and they're not getting any better having said that i love these fucking movies And let's just start breaking down. We won't go too in-depth into these, but let's go ahead and talk about each of these movies. First one is Double Down. Uh, Ray, if you could, and I know the Red Letter Media Boys tried their damnedest to explain (laughs) what the fuck this movie was about. But Ray, if you could try and succinctly put together a plot synopsis, what would you say Double Down is about? Uh... (laughs) Not to put you on no, the that spot, was right? That was my summation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he is a secret agent <laughs> who hates key uh, laptops, as far as I can tell, because he's constantly <laughs> throwing them around and damaging them, and apparently has some serious skill when it comes to typing on three of them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And none of them are on. Let's make that note. Right. Right. <laughs> And hiding them in the desert so that sand doesn't pull in their yeah. crevices. Yeah, he hides these laptops like like an old lady hiding vodka bottles around right. the house yeah. all over the desert. And under heavy rocks. Yeah. And I yeah, he's a secret agent trying uh with all the secrets because he's hacked into 
all the hack things. <laughs> all the hack things. <laughs> and, and he climbs a lot. I, I that's that's what I, I got. He's a secret agent and he's trying to prevent something and he keeps hacking into places and uh, inventorying his many laptops strewn about the desert. Uh, yeah. He has a few guns that he likes uh-huh. to pop the clips out of and put the clips back in. And then a little bit later, he'll pop the clips back out and put them back in. Oh, and lest we forget, he really jams on some canned tuna. Oh, I've never <laughs> seen a motherfucker not be able to eat tuna the way this dude yet he crushes it he opens up his trunk and there's just tuna cans flying all over the place mm-hmm. yeah it's like disturbing old cat lady convention trauma level number of cans in that trunk i was like what is this a is this a plot device what's with the empty cans of tuna just everywhere and he spends a lot of time throwing these empty tuna cans to the side Maybe they help the reception of the satellite that's bolted to his oh, trunk. Okay, this, so this is where I, I, I got to ask Parker, do you think this is also another clue of it being a work? Is it, is this the, the tuna can thing? Kind of like, you know, the you have the, the forks for the room or the, whatever it is, the sporks <laughs> for the room and, and all these other things so that maybe when people saw it at the theater, they would throw tuna cans at the screen or something <laughs> like that? Uh, yeah, that, that's... Maybe. I mean, yeah, I, I guess after Rocky Horror, if you're trying to make a bad movie, you would put stuff like that in. But I, I think it's just that he's maybe read a blog about survivalists or something because, <laughs> I mean, tuna's like a really good food for you and it doesn't go bad if it's canned. Like, I, I feel like maybe he just read some blog about how to survive in the desert and they mentioned tuna. And so he was like, all right, tuna it is. And I mean, the fact that, I mean, which is, almost maybe smart um but then the fact that like there's that scene where he almost drives off the road because he's eating tuna and then like the amount of tuna that he that falls down onto his shirt and trousers is like an entire can and a half of tuna yeah he's trying to scoop it into his mouth i have to say i am an expert at eating food in the car while driving with my knees and things like that i can't say i've eaten tuna but i have eaten some pretty tricky food in my car for example Tacos, sub sandwiches, French fries with sauce. I'm telling you, I'm good at it, and I have never arrived to my destination with that much food on me. Well, let me tell you, that's the one thing in Double Down that he is not an expert at: is <laughs> eating tuna. <laughs> Survival is superfood. I did not think of that. Oh my god! Well, let's talk about the invisible force fields and his ability to go invisible. Oh yeah! yeah he, he created a device, which is basically a little rock mm-hmm. that he found that allows him to become invisible, and he puts a force field around his shitty old Buick that sits in the middle of a desert, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it, that if people walk into it, their brains explode. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll point out that in two movies, he's had these mystical rocks that heal him or give him special powers remember in um fatal findings the rock is what healed him 
very, very quickly, except for the fact that he was still bleeding. So he could leave the hospital and this magical rock brought that chick back to him. And then in this movie, it creates the force field that explodes brains. And it also cures uh, that little girl's cancer in this movie. Yes, cancer curing powers. <laughs> yes. That's right, that scene where arbitrarily all of a sudden he shows up. Mm-hmm. He shows up at somebody's house yeah. for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, despite the fact that, you know, he's bound to live a life of secrecy because the government's after him. He just finds some people yeah. and hangs out with them and then tells them all about how secret his CIA or whatever he's in, uh, covert ops are. And then, you know, he's like, oh, you know, it's not like on TV. What I do is really secret. And then the dad's like, well, I've got a secret for you. Our daughter has cancer. <laughs> Oh my god! On, on a on a scale of one to ten, Ray, how good is Neil Breen at keeping secrets in these movies? <laughs> uh, negative infinity. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, in this one, he he can't keep secrets about he. You know, he's trying to hack into the. He is basically like this covert ops secret agent that's uh, double working the U.S. government and international. We never find out what it, what other countries. We're just guessing he's got ties to them all because he's so amazing. Right. Um, but he's also trying to be a biological terrorist. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he has this syringe well, was, of blood was. that he's just openly squirting all over the mm-hmm. place. And then he's he's sprinkling some powder, powder into shit the- into lakes and killing all of the wildlife because he's going to throw anthrax everywhere. He just rubs it up against people's arms. I will have to say, he, he, when he's talking in these films about how dangerous these biological agents are and blah, 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 how potent they are and just a pinch into the air and ugh, But he seems to be quite careless with the way he treats them, dribbling it around. How is he not dead? I don't get it myself. And I, I really like that um, when he put it in the lake, all the fish died. And mm-hmm. so then they probably just went, I mean, he probably just went to the store and bought that oh, yeah. fish with their heads on and stuck, <laughs> stuck <laughs> on the shoreline. Well, and that was, sorry, I, I'm jumping back a, a little bit here, but double down with, you know, what, I was doing the same thing. Is he a bad guy or what? It almost seemed like there was this split personality thing going on. And I thought maybe, you know, the title is Double Down. Maybe that's what he's trying to insinuate. I mean, and doing the shittiest job possible at making that in any way obvious. You know, this isn't Fight Club clarity going on here. I I actually was seriously wondering, is this supposed to be part of the time he's a good guy, part of the time he's a bad guy. He keeps seeming to wake up. You know, he wakes up in the desert. He's on the ground. He doesn't know how to get there. Somebody has written help on the side of the car. I was seriously wondering, is this a split personality story? I thought, and maybe this is just me reading way too much into this. I thought that maybe this was a film about a guy in limbo. Hmm. That maybe when his girlfriend gets shot, you know, the main impetus of the, the whole movie where all of a sudden he decides to double cross everyone and kill everyone. He's a double agent and all this stuff that he also got killed because you see him face down in that uh, pool alongside mm-hmm. of her. And the way the movie is cut 
and the way it feels and the way he sits and talks about how, you know, he reminisces about his entire life and how he's just looking to reconnect with the spirit of his deceased fiance, Mm -hmm. that this was like, he's dead. Like the entire movie is like him going through the last moments of his life. See, and I am, I took away from the scene where he's floating scrot down in the pool <laughs> <laughs> that he was, that this, that was symbolic of the fact that he died with her, but not literally. It was symbolic of the fact that he felt like his life had ended. And so that then, could be. then he went off into the desert and became this like rogue, this fucking rogue agent. Uh, Parker, what do I you think? Know. What do you really think this movie's about? Well, it's hard to tell. Because, like we were saying earlier, like, he's really bad at at telling stories. So, like, it's kind of hard to tell what is supposed to be Lynchian and, like, just kind of expressed lyrically through the movie, like, subtextually, and what is supposed to be told narratively and explicitly, but he's just not good enough to get that information across. (laughs) So, it's kind of hard to tell. I kind of thought that it was... Uh, he's been dead the whole time sort of thing too because there is the thing like he's floating he's covered in blood and he's floating scrote down and then also <laughs> there's that stuff later on where the two the couple he was supposed to kill like before he can kill them they've killed himself or the, themselves and i was thinking well maybe that's supposed to be him and his girlfriend or something like some sort of parallel but i read on imdb so it's probably not true but <laughs> 100% true. Nothing's <laughs> false on the internet, Parker. Yeah. So I read that that what happened is that in an attempt to bring his girlfriend back, he programmed her like memories and her personality into one of his computers. And that's why he keeps seeing her in the desert. But because she knows that if he dies, then the world ends because he like put all those booby traps all over the world in case he dies. <laughs> that she trapped him in a time loop that he would have to keep reliving his worst moments in life over and over again, rather than die. And Holy shit. Yeah. I totally got that from the movie. Uh, well, <laughs> I did. I watched this movie two and a half times and I got, I got nothing from it, but uh, <laughs> dude, I did the same thing. I think I've watched double down three times. And yeah. it felt like I was starting, to, like I was starting to get something out of it, but I never came that close. Holy cow, that's some <laughs> next level shit. Yeah, and and I mean, I I, th- I think the movie probably supports that in the way that, I mean, a Neil Breen movie can support anything because like I said, he's bad at telling stories, but uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of really good. Like, I think like if that, like if somebody found this script and didn't cast Neil Breen in it and like didn't have any involvement with him, but like got a real person to write that, that story and like cast real actors and stuff. Like I think that somewhere in here, there's a really, really good science fiction movie. Yeah. Very interesting. Let's go quick down the line. Amanda Mm -hmm. thumbs up or thumbs down on double down. Oh, up, up. Hilarious. 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 My favorite kind of shitty movie. Oh yeah. It's a wonderful shitty movie. I give it a thumbs up as well. Ray thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh yeah. It is so shitty. It's gotta be thumbs up. Oh yeah. It's epic. Parker. I give it a thumbs up in the so bad it's good way. And I think I might give it a thumbs up in the it's so good it's good way too. I think this might be a kind of a good movie. Somehow. Deep down. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. 
Justin, you can't commit to you, a one You know, no, he's peeled, he's peeled the onion. You realize yeah. what he's done now. <laughs> he, he found the secrets of the double down and yeah. he's peeling that onion. Yeah. And as he goes along in life, it's kind of like, you know, finding nirvana. Mm-hmm. You will mm-hmm. reach enlightenment at some point after <laughs> the 500th time you've watched Double Down. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Or it could just be that I've watched four Neil Breen movies in the matter of like three weeks and this is the least <laughs> shitty. <laughs> so it could just be that. <laughs> oh, so let's go ahead and move on to his second movie, I Am Here Now. This is not the way I intended my experiment in creating this planet and this human species to go. best of intentions of improving the nation's sustainable energy systems and environment, but the corruption and greed in big business and government just won't let it happen. yourselves love nature live in peace you're crazy you're crazy think i'm crazy i'm so fucking high i want you so bad i really want you to Holy shit, we've died and gone to heaven. Your weapons cannot harm me. I don't feel so good. Cancer chemo is kicking my ass. Double my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for the gifts. It will be well worth it. Amanda, would you like to describe what the plot is of I Am Here Now? Cyber Jesus, as we were referring to him, comes to Earth. I can't quite tell if it's in a paperweight that skid across the desert or if it was uh, some type of transcendent um, arrival. But he shows up, nevertheless, and finds some tweakers in the desert, which he immediately stuns into some type of... um, I don't know, non-existence temporarily, steals his clothes and then goes off into the city of Las Vegas to rescue people and turn their lives around and um, (laughs) literally crucifies 
some bankers and Wall Streeters and thugs and drug dealers. That all work together. That all work together while simultaneously saving the prostitutes, which are in their midst. <laughs> and, um, and then goes back to the desert and jumps on his paperweight and flies away. That is I on his paperweight uh, comet and flies away. Now, this was something I wanted to ask the panel tonight. As I was watching, I am here now, and the way you described it, the beginning where he comes down from another time, another space, another plane of existence, and basically finds two people, knocks them out, and takes their clothes. Do you think that this opening sequence is a remake of the opening sequence from The Terminator? <laughs> where, where, where our Schwarzenegger comes through, finds Bill Paxton, give me a nice night for a walk. The exact same thing when I watched that. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say, you know, nice day for a walk. Clean you know, <laughs> clothes, laundry, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, I had the exact same thought. Now, I got to ask Parker, Parker, would you want to see a remake of The Terminator with Neil Breen instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger? 1,000%. I would love that so much. Uh, and maybe it'll happen. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is getting old. Maybe they need a slightly less old man. I think Neil yeah. Breen can do it. <laughs> slightly less old man. Yeah, we, still have not de- yeah, we have not determined whether or not Neil Breen is actually younger than Arnold Schwarzenegger or not. Yeah, <laughs> a possibly older man, I guess. We have determined Neil Breen is on the edge of pissing dust. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> He's so, so, so just air comes out of his dick when he needs to. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> the Messiah comes down to try and help the earth. There's not much plot no. going on in this movie. He's helping dudes, angry dudes that push over guys in uh, wheelchairs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, drug lords that all hang out in the middle of the street and have uh, dealings with corporate entities, with prostitutes, and uh, Neil Breen with circuit boards tied mm-hmm. to his arms. Oh, can I point out one thing? And I would, I'm would i curious to know if anybody else found this to be obnoxious or funny or what their take was, it, uh, was on it, that in this movie, as with previous and latter films, everyone says their lines multiple times for the most part. So, for example, there's the, um, the scene where the girl is kind of cornered by the drug dealer and he is like basically about to take her away and have sex with her. And he gets interrupted by some kind of phone call or something. And she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I love my baby. I love my baby. (laughs) Like everybody says their lines over and over and over again. And there's a little part of me that thought, hmm, maybe this was initially a creative way for him to get several tapes and he was going to take and he was going to pick one out. Yeah. But he just didn't. And so he kept them all in. I don't know. What's everybody's thoughts on that? I have a feeling that that's the case. What What do you think, Ray? Yeah, um, especially with that movie, I would agree. And there's more than one scene with the whole, we're sorry, we're going to have to let you go because, you know, there's no (laughs) money for the environmentalists. And there were two scenes like that. And on the second one, I was like, wait, what? We did this. 
Yeah. What, so within the same movie, the good idea is, you know what this movie really needs? <laughs> is to reenact itself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, that's pretty less than stellar termination on the part of the HR department within that company. You just approach someone on a oh, yeah. casual break in the foyer and let them go. Yeah, they're having a smoke. They're just on a smoke <laughs> break. And then, you know, they're talking about really heavy shit, like world, mm-hmm. you know, corporate entities and how they're mistreating people. Yeah, I mean, you know, casual water cooler talk on smoke <laughs> breaks. And then, <laughs> And then she just comes out and shit cans up. Yep. I'm so sorry, but due to the poor economy, we're going to have to lay you off, along with some other staff members. We all had the best of intentions of improving the nation's sustainable energy systems and environment, but the corruption and greed in big business and government just won't let it happen. We're all very disappointed. Yeah, it's always the government and lawyers that prevent progress. Yeah, I love how everybody in all four of these movies always talks about whatever it is their job is, like in the macro, like <laughs> because because you work like at the entry level at a solar power plant. Like these people are just like, oh, it's solar power. It's the way of the future. It's going to save the human race. But oh, if only the greedy corporations will let it happen. It's like I've never worked at a place where we've talked like that before, but I guess everybody else is doing it. Well, I, I don't think uh, this is something I uh, it's came up numerous times while watching these movies. I don't think anybody talks like this ever. Oh, it's like everyone's reading a brochure about mm-hmm. what's wrong in the world yeah. written by the most corny ass person on the face of the planet. Yeah. yeah. And it's really weird because like Neil Breen, whatever Messiah character he's playing, obviously he feels... You know, because he's the Messiah, he has to go around talking about how evil everything is in the world and how he's going to fix it. But then, like the low, like the pimps and the hookers, they also talk about how the <laughs> corporate yeah. greed and the politicians are ruining everything. And then, like the politicians and corporations themselves, like they talk about it. Like every everybody's just on the same page that corporations and politicians are terrible. Like there's not a single character in four movies who's like, yeah, I don't know, they're doing a good job. And you know, it's a necessary <laughs> evil. Like. <laughs> What about, I got to ask you guys, what about uh, the couple who after she gets shit canned, she's hanging out in a park on a park bench with her uh, beau. And then, you know, they're going to, he's like, don't worry, hon, we'll make ends meet. And and in his mind, his internal dialogue immediately goes, think I'm going to have to start robbing cars again. Full time. He prefaces by saying, I'm going to have to start robbing cars again full time. <laughs> so you go, do you go to some type of drug overlord and be like, man, my home life is really getting crazy. Can I come back to full time? Is there an FTE Grand available for me? Yeah. Is there an FTE available for me to come back full time? Or did you hire my position already? <laughs> It's weird. These these characters just turn on a dime. Like that seemed like you know. Instead of maybe I'll go get a a shift or two at the quickie mark down the street. Yeah. Nope. Straight to freaking Grand Theft Auto yeah. immediately. Well, in her internal dialogue, yeah. she says, "I'll become a full time hooker or stripper and not tell him the truth. I'll tell him I got a part time job at the mall." Don't worry, babe. We'll be okay. <laughs> it's like what the. These are your fallback careers? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> so. There ain't a 401k with that, I hope you know. Wow. 
as yeah. characters constantly point out, it is Sin City. You're supposed to do yeah, this. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. And as the signs that are almost convincingly real road signs point out, it's constantly taking place near Sin City. The little yeah. Las Vegas, 15 miles away. <laughs> well, let's let's just say the vast majority, all the footage in Las Vegas where he lives is stock footage. Yeah. Clearly yeah. stock footage. Yes. So. Which is... Which is weird because especially when he starts using digital to film, like you'd think you could just attach your iPhone to a selfie stick and just shoot scenes, like just walking down the strip. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody's on their camera. Like, I don't think anybody would take notice. Like you wouldn't need a permit necessarily. Like, but he just refuses to do it. And it's really (laughs) weird. It's very strange. I'm I'm wondering if he just has this stockpile of stock royalty free stock footage that he accumulated, and he just like you know what I don't need to shoot that. I already have this, mm-hmm. so he's just trying to cut yeah. down. You know, he's trying to be one of those cheapo exploitation filmmakers, kind of like Dave Dakota, where he's like, yeah, screw it, let's just use footage from one of the other movies. <laughs> yeah, screw yeah, no, seriously, that's well because uh, Parker's 100 percent right. Yeah. I mean, there there has never been a better time for guerrilla filmmaking than right now. We have 4K cameras on our phones on us all the time. So you can just steal and nobody, not a single person will run up to you no matter where you're at. Oh, are you filming? Where's your permit? No, that will never happen to you ever. So I don't get it. And the stock footage is shitty. That's not even good. No, it's shaky (laughs) and shitty. So anyways, all right, let's go ahead. We got we got two more movies to go down the road. So let's go ahead and uh, thumbs up, thumbs down on uh, I Am Here Now, Amanda. Uh, I, I give it a moderate thumbs up. Oh, man, I give it. I give it a moderate thumbs up. I give it two thumbs up and a boner. This was my oh favorite my God. one. Are you out of your mind? No, I'm not out of my mind. This movie, I was dying. I was laughing so fucking hard at Switchboard Jesus that came down we, we did lose it pretty good oh jesus when that dude says oh, i think i'm gonna go go back to stealing cars <laughs> i almost shit myself that was one of the greatest <laughs> lines in all of cinema ray thumbs up thumbs down uh, big thumbs up because this is also my favorite of them because it is the worst of them parker thumbs up thumbs down thumbs up on this i i like it quite a bit i think it might be my least favorite of the four but uh, or maybe pass through. I don't know. But I mean, it's still really, really good. Not in a good, good way, like double down, but it's good in a funny way. Yeah, I have a feeling this one may be the one I revisit the most. Yeah, I just there's something about it. It's just so stupid. Agreed. <laughs> and while we were watching it, I said to Derek, I figured it out. Um, when we were, cause we watched Fateful Findings first, and then we watched Double Down. And when we were watching Double Down, I said, Derek, I figured it out. And he's like, what? I said, Neil Breen's, development in terms of what he thinks an action movie is supposed to be and look like and feel like and sound like stopped when he was about nine years old along with his loves yeah i said if we gave your daughter who's nine years old a video camera and said make an action movie and it's filmed in the desert this is what it would be man this is a good experiment Oh god. Maybe I need to give her a camera. Let's see if it how well it stacks up next to Neil Breen movies. <laughs> You're on to something. We'll post it to Amazon Prime and rake in that view money, baby. Yeah, right. Yeah, whatever. Nobody watching that <sighs> shit anyway. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to fateful findings. I was given paranormal powers as a child. I've hacked into just about all the information I need. 
They have no idea. No more books! You were given a power. Others want to take this from me. He's writing about government secrets. I knew I loved you when I was eight years old. All this time, I haven't been working on my next book. I've hacked into the most secret government and corporate secrets. I'm using it to make a real difference. And I'm going to expose them all. Should I be afraid? Should we be afraid? I'm not ready for this. I want to be honest with all of you. I've been hacking into government and corporate systems all over the country. You're going to get yourself killed. But you should be scared because it is the truth. Act now on your own, outside of the corporate systems and these incompetent politicians. You want to get out of here, but you can't see what's about to happen. To me, this is the epitome of a bad, good movie. Faithful Findings, if I can, if I can remember this correctly, is about a gentleman who had uh, the love of his life when he was like seven. seven years old. They went out into this, you know, very scenic mountain pasture where they they found this magical uh, mushroom where there was this box with two rocks in it that <laughs> that for some reason transported <laughs> them or gave them powers or I don't know what the fuck it meant. But anyways... They put these rocks into this as a keepsake and then um, grew up and grew apart. In the subsequent years, he became a writer, this guy. And as he's leaving work one day, he drops his phone in the middle of the street and gets smashed by a car, which I think is more than likely the best effect in any of these mm -hmm. movies, is the comp scene of, the, of Neil Breen getting smashed by this limo or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> And uh, then from there, he gets holed up in the hospital, tr attempts to breathe through an uh, oxygen mask through gauze. <laughs> and, his, and he has a nasal cannula on. I notice those types of things right. when I watch Oh, it's ridiculous. He has a nasal cannula on, which delivers oxygen, but it's not... It's pointed the wrong way. The na the near there's two little prongs that are supposed to go into your nostrils, and that's what delivers the oxygen. Are pointed out and away from his face. Then he has the oxygen, uh, oxygen mask on top, which is redundant because you can only plug one of them in at a time. It's just ridiculous. Okay, he gets home <laughs> and he has all this pain medication that his wife ends up taking and becoming an addict on and he decides you know what i'm not going to take this pain medication and his uh agent because he's a writer is constantly hounding him for a new book deadlines. Deadlines. deadlines deadlines on this on this book but he doesn't want to write this book because he's a master computer hacker who happened to fall into writing and become this best-selling author 
but he's a his true heart's in computer hacking and on the side he's secretly hacked into all of the government's secrets and it's going to expose everyone he can't keep a secret to save his fucking life he's telling everyone everyone that he's hacked into the government secrets including his drug addicted wife painkiller addicted wife who knows nothing about his romance at seven years old and aimless wandering through a national forest by himself yeah. with this other seven so, year old so not to go into every single detail there's there's subplots about his next door neighbor who's a drunk whose wife uh, won't put out and then just arbitrarily decides to shoot him in the face and then trying to convince his daughter that she didn't shoot him in the face even though she saw it and the teenage daughter is coming on to neil breen but neil breen is neil breen is not going to put out Right. For this this hottie that and comes his, over. the seven year old love of his life happens to be a doctor at the hospital where he's treated for his traumatic injury. Yes, so they reconnect. So, anyways, eventually, spoiler, spoiler, Neil Breen, of course, is the Messiah, and uh, we get treated to one of the greatest endings of all time mm. of any movie I've ever seen. Um, which I don't want to spoil it too much for you guys, but you know, he makes everyone pay. But you have to see this. I <laughs> one of the most hilarious fucking things I've ever seen. So, Fateful Findings is this is the first one we watched, mm-hmm. mostly because of junk food dinner, because yes. that was the one you guys mm-hmm. uh, brought onto the show, and I just couldn't believe that I had never heard of this fucking thing before. There are two hysterical scenes in that film where women kill themselves and do it via drug overdose, where they have obviously not swallowed the pills and just kept them in their hand and then, and then put them between their them legs. Between their legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. Jesus! Oh, Neil Breen. There is so much stupid shit in this movie. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I know, Parker, you've talked a lot about it on your show. Is there anything you, you want to elaborate on that you you haven't talked about on uh, Junk Food Dinner? Because uh, I recommend people that haven't uh, heard that episode, go over, download the episode with uh, Faithful Findings on it. You guys really went through it, and it's quite hilarious. But uh, I know you you quite adore this movie. Yeah, I love this movie. I I think that, like, this is definitely his most accessible one. Like, if you just want to watch a movie that's, like, just a shitty bad movie that you want to make fun of, I think this is probably the way to go. Um, Because it does have, I guess, the most point A to point B narrative of all of them. Kind kind of. Kind of. (laughs) As much as Neil Breen does. It's kind of convoluted. Yeah, Neil Breen does this thing where, like, he does these convoluted movies that are also, like, devoid of plot or story in any way. And I don't know how he gets those two things, but uh, he does. Uh, I love the scene where he's, like, passed out because his head hurts so bad. And in an effort to wake up, he wants to drink some coffee. And it, like, he just spills it all over his face for no reason. (laughs) And uh, there's like a sex scene later on where he throws laptops on the ground uh, to awkwardly kiss a girl. Um, he, he and his wife rip each other's shirts a little bit mm-hmm. while they're they're tussling That's and they tear play. shirts. Foreplay yeah. for to Neil Breen and his wife is throwing uh, laptops and books all over the place and, and then slightly ripping each other's shirts. Shredding each other's clothing. That's That's part of his fuck style oh in this goodness. one. Yeah, well, yeah, getting your shirt ripped is part of my fuck style as well, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it is funny that he gets his shirt ripped 
in this, it like exposes his nipple and then the camera just <laughs> lingers there for like a very long time. Yet we never see the nipples of any of the women in their topless constantly in this movie. Yeah, it is weird that he prefers to show his own nipples rather than, you know, I mean, I, he is making, I don't, maybe he wants these to just be like very artistic, non-exploitative movies or something. <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking, but uh, yeah, it's... It's weird. Like I, I don't know. Like this, this is such a bizarre film. Uh, I love. There's a really great suicide in this suicide scene in this movie where, or not suicide. Neil Breen thinks it's a suicide, even though it was a murder, and he just holds this dude in his arms. And he says, "I can't believe you committed suicide. I cannot believe you committed suicide. How could you have done this? How could you have committed suicide?" I can't help you out of this one, Jim. With all we've been through, I can't pull you out of this one. And he just goes on and on forever. <laughs> and I like that. Like, I'm, can, can you believe that the daughter who witnessed his, her dad being shot and the cops show up doesn't just go to the cops and say, hey, she shot him. She, yeah. she wasn't even her mom. She doesn't turn at all. She well, no, it, well, because she's too busy. Trying to bang Neil Breen. Yeah. Well, I don't blame her on that. I mean, it is the Breen. He seems to have a pool in his backyard, probably very attractive to a teenage girl. She's like, uh, come, uh, go to the cops. Let's weigh this out. Should I go to the cops and tell them that my stepmom murdered my dad or still live with her because there's Neil Breen in a pool next door? Let's figure this out. Which one always? Yeah. Difficult to <laughs> suss out at times yeah, yeah, what yeah. the right thing to do is. Totally. Ray, what do you think of this? I was really surprised that where he gets hit by the rolls early on, that was very well done. I mean, especially after, I think it was uh, I Am Here Now, where, you know, that guy's sitting on the ground and the other guy next to, uh, next to the train, and the guy next to him shoots him in the head. And it was so, so, I mean, I've, I've made videos in high school and early college just silly little home movies that had better editing and special effects than that. So I was really surprised that when he got hit by the rolls, wow, that actually looked well done. It was impressive. And the fake blood in that movie too. I was like, this to me looks like pretty good fake blood. So I, I don't know. I thought this one was better made than all the others that I've seen. I think so too. That's why I like it the best too. I felt next to the next movie we'll talk about, this one felt really long. Like, I remember really? watching this and feeling like, is this ever going to fucking end? Really? Yeah, there was. it's funny. I think this movie's really funny, but it isn't as light as I am here now. Where I am here now is just so breezy and so stupid that I just, I love watching that. This one, for some reason, I don't know how much I'll come back to this one. Interesting. It, well, it's a very ugly looking movie. Like, there's a lot of just like you're in a house mm. and you're looking at plain walls because they don't art deck anything in this movie. And it's two mm. people talking to each other, yet it doesn't it doesn't look like they're talking to each other. They're not acting like they're talking to each other, but they are talking to each other. And it just keeps going on. And on and I I like this movie, but I have to say this is not one of my favorites. So if I was gonna give thumbs up, thumbs down, I would probably give a meh. 
unfaithful mm. findings. I got a solid thumbs up. That solid thumbs up, Ray? Yeah, uh, it still gets a solid thumbs up from me. I know Parker's in love with this one. Yeah, I like this one a great deal. I, I agree that it this one does really slow down, like, in the last half of it. Like, once Neil Breen and his new wife start doing, like, all this weird, like, out-of-body meditation, it, it does slow down and become a lot less goofy. So I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I think it's I think it's really good. Yeah, I think the, the, the best part of this movie is that Neil Breen's character is saddled with this drug-addicted wife, and he's met the love of his life from seven, when he was seven years old at some, uh, like, <laughs> pool barbecue. party. And uh, they're about to have this affair, and his uh, drug-addicted wife decides to just off herself. And in the biggest, you're in the clear now, dude. Yeah, <laughs> moving all the film he immediately bangs the other chick they start living together mm-hmm. instantaneously yeah she moves in immediately it's pretty yeah. he moves pretty then, quick this guy but there is the remember there's the kidnapping scene in this film where the love of his life is kidnapped and he has to again become the hero and go save her by walking through a uh walking through a shipping container wall but there's that <laughs> scene. Remember, there's the kidnapping scene where because he has the special rock, right? The metaphysical rock. There's that scene where she's kidnapped, and the kidnapper like sticks a chloroform rag on her face, and I'm like, what is this? 1950? Who the fuck has access to chloroform? And then just drags her away. <laughs> he probably got it from those teenagers from uh, Don't Breathe. I would think. Mm, yeah. yeah, 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 yes. Oh, so smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're world building here. Yeah, it's going to be revealed that these are all part of the same universe. With don't don't breathe. With don't breathe. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm waiting for the turkey baster to make its oh, appearance. <laughs> God, I hated that fucking movie. So, anyways, yeah. let's go ahead and move on to the last one. And then, sorry, Ray, we're going to talk about pass through, but I don't think we could possibly spoil this movie. It is impossible. It is virtually Feel impossible. Free. Feel free. Don't, don't, don't hold back on my account, seriously. I am not of this earth. I am artificial intelligence from far into the future. I have taken on this human body in order to communicate with the humans. I can move from one time plane to another. I can't go. Many things are going to change now. I'm going to eliminate Hundreds of millions of the human species. And those causing the wars have vanished. You are not going anywhere! I can manipulate the planes of space and time. Accountants and CEOs are missing. It's as if all the harmful people on Earth are disappearing. Lead a revolt against the politicians the corruption, and the injustices that we all know. Isn't that betraying the public's trust? If it can be destroyed by the truth, it deserves to be destroyed by the truth. Human evolution has ended, and there can be no further advancement. The turning point is now. The cleanse has begun. I lived 
to see it. The primitive humans must continue the cleanse in order to survive as a species. So, because I know there's no possible way I could ever describe what this movie is or tell you what the plot of it is. Amanda's shaking her head. Parker, I'm going to move it on to you. Would you like to give a a quick synopsis of what you think pass-through is? (laughs) I'll try. Um, All right, so this movie opens with I, 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 what I believe may possibly be Mexican immigrants trying to get into the country, <laughs> despite the fact that they're all very racially diverse. <laughs> yes. um, and then they're stopped by people who may be cartels or maybe like those Minutemen groups that patrol the, the border. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not sure which. Uh, So a lot of them are kidnapped. A lot of the the immigrants are kidnapped uh, and shot. And some of them are pregnant. And all of them have weird stories about how the government is corrupt and killed their brothers and sisters. And then Neil Breen shows up. And he's from the future and from outer space. It could have just been one or the other. But Neil Breen goes with both. Um, he says at one point that he's from a thousand years in the future, but also from a thousand light years away. And I'm not certain that he doesn't know that those are two different things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then he just goes on and on with his typical Neo Breen stuff about how he's here because the world is awful and the governments and the corporations are ruining everything. And he, he goes on TV and he announces to everybody that they should start fighting for themselves and also he makes a rapture happen and all the bad people including the president and all the ceos die or disappear and also he falls in love with some of the immigrants or something and there's the guy in a cave who creates ghost shadows because he has ptsd yeah i have no idea what the fuck that dude is about (sighs) and a tiger there's a tiger it's Yeah, there's a tiger. Like, Neil Breen can go back and forth through time. So sometimes he goes back to caveman times where there's a tiger, even though that, like, never pays off in any way. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. This movie is, like, a mess. It's, like I was saying earlier, it's kind of, like, the most ambitious in that, like, there's, like, a lot of actors in this. And I think that he got real actors. I think that the lady who plays his possible immigrant love interest i think she's a real actress she's been in other non-neil brain movies and i think that maybe she's in on the joke like i think that there are a few scenes where she's kind of playing it campy and goofy but for the most part she kind of plays it straight and i don't know yeah this is like kind of a weird neil brain movie because he hasn't gotten any better he's still doing the same thing it seems like some people are in on the joke He's not in on the joke. I don't know. Yeah, this is, I kind of have mixed feelings about this, but I think I really like it. Like, I laughed a lot during this. I think this one might be like the most watchable uh, in some ways, but. Oh my God. I don't know if I could agree with that. <laughs> oh I, my God. I don't think I can feel more opposite than you. Oh my gosh. It was, there was, a, there was funny stuff. And it's funny that you, because I was so confused by this movie. And maybe I was just being too dense while I was watching it. But I didn't understand that the sequences where there's this shitty comped tiger 
um, from some stock footage tiger <laughs> that's sitting on this rock and Neil Breen would just arbitrarily show up with it. it it's the worst comp shit you ever see. There was one, one time that that happened. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. It was just so fucking horribly <laughs> done um, that I didn't get that. That was him going back in time. And then there's that shot where there's somebody with a shitty Neanderthal like glove on painting on the, the walls. I didn't get that. That was him going back. Into, I didn't understand any of it. Also, what's with the dead pixel red dot that shows up once in a while? That's the message from the other uh, dimension Mentions. that he's he's speaking with. And I gotta tell you, our borders are not structurally sound. Well, you think uh, you think Donald <laughs> Trump's gonna make a better fence than yeah. than the one where they just barely touch it and it falls over? Look at it sideways and it falls over. That's what that Donald Trump. That's what Donald Trump really meant to make America great again. To get a I better fence. And I, I didn't understand the scene in the beginning of the movie where he's use, using heroin. Yeah, why does why does he travel all the way across a thousand light years to just come to Earth and shoot up heroin? My thought was maybe <laughs> I know Parker. Did you even understand that part? My thought was maybe he found a dead guy in the desert that he was this like shapeless, formless intelligence and needed a mm-hmm. body to come into and so he found took over the bomb he took over the heroin yeah. junkie when the heroin junkie died he jumped into the heroin junkie body that makes way you more never because you never see him use heroin after the opening scene where the dude you know is kind of played off that he dies in the desert utilizing heroin yeah i don't know it made no sense i didn't get it that's how I read it as well, but it kind of oh, doesn't okay. make sense because, like, the the junkie wakes up after he's taken over. Like, it's almost like he, there are two Neil Breens in this movie, and I don't – so I don't know if that, like, ruined our theory that that's what happened or if that's just, like, really bad filmmaking. No, I, I, think, it's, I, no, I think you guys are onto something because I think it's a metaphor because I took it, like, when I was watching that sequence, he shoots the heroin up and he ODs, essentially mm-hmm. – and then all of a sudden, in a shitty comp, like crossfade, another spirit comes up. In a more sophisticated film, it would have been done a lot better. But anyways, he gets up and then walks into his trailer and proceeds to throw out all the tin cans and empty milk jugs and piss jugs that are in there. <laughs> and and I, could see, I could see that. I can see that. But it doesn't explain why he decides to still pass out in the middle of the desert in ditches. Just willy-nilly. Seems really unsafe. Well, the kids keep saying, those kids that are super excited about talking to some old dude on the phone. The professor. The professor. The professor. That they decide to roll around in the the middle of the desert while he's in a wheelchair, very impractically, might I add. It doesn't mean, they just always pass him, go, oh, that's it. There's that bum again. And our cell phones don't work around him. (laughs) Yeah, something really against fucking cell phones. Yeah, well, they say, like, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and rather than say, oh, we don't have any signal, or, oh, all our batteries died, they say, like, there's no power. Yeah, Yeah. they say our power's out. (laughs) (laughs) It's very weird. My power is out, too. Yes, my power (laughs) is out, too. Then the third one, yes, my power's out, too. Again, the repeating of dialogue. If I was going to say anything about this movie, is that it is the most shoddy 
of them all. And by that, I mean, Parker told you guys that, you know, this is the most ambitious in scope and in what he wanted to try and communicate, but it's obvious he just threw this thing together because the effects work is terrible. The editing is so incomprehensible that there's continuity jumps between shots almost on every other minute basis where I just, I had no idea what the fuck I was watching. I said to Derek, this Mm -hmm. is, we were, um, we kept checking how long we had left before the movie was over. And when there was like 30 minutes left, I said, oh my God, this is almost unpalatable. This is like nearly bordering on intolerable. Well, because it climaxes with 30 minutes left to go. Mm -hmm. He gets rid of all the bad guys and then it lingers on for another 30 fucking minutes. Yeah. 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 I I feel like the client, the climax is him getting rid of everybody and then addressing the world on that news station. Yeah. But the then after that, national news station. Yeah. But then after that, yeah, there's like all this dumb shit with the little kids who like want to meet an alien and like, yeah, it just goes uh. on forever. Also, I, I do love how those kids like, I guess, kidnap that old man in the wheelchair or whatever. They get their dad to drive them out to the middle of the <laughs> desert and then they get out. And then the dad's just like, all right, come back. I'm going to take a nap. Like what yeah. horrible parenting is this? <laughs> what about all of the sequences where before he gets rid of all the bad people, he he goes to this mansion where all of these rich people oh. are are having these parties. The yeah, the infiltration sequence where you know he goes there and all the people like in all the other movies are basically spouting off, you know, having conversations that nobody would have about how mustache twirly they are and all Mm -hmm. the backwater deals that they're making. And he just goes, isn't that corrupt in the, in the background? These are all Mm -hmm. obviously green screen shots when he would, he punches into like medium close-ups and he cuts between the people yet the backdrop he uses never moves Mm -hmm. and never changes. I just like this movie, literally if any of the movies could be considered a work, this is the one. This is absolutely the one where he's in on the joke. He gets it, and he's just trying to sell a shitty movie. Of any of the movies, mm. the other ones to me felt like, okay, this is a dude, you know, just trying to make movies. This movie felt like someone trying to do a work. I really feel like this one stands alone in its ineptitude. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I honestly think that this feels like a movie that was rushed out there. Yeah. And because now he has this notoriety of making these shitty movies, he's going to make a shitty movie. Even though he had real ambition and he's still saying all the same things that are part of his kind of thematic package. The movie now feels like a shitty movie on purpose. Do you think that that Parker at all? And it does feel rushed, and I, I think that that contributes a lot of the troubles to it. Um, I think that one thing that might make this movie feel more like a work than the rest, or make it feel off compared to the rest, is that this is the first one where Neil Breen tries, I think, on purpose to incorporate comedy. Uh, I think there are some scenes that I think are played for laughs, um, which is new, new territory for Neil Breen. Mm-hmm. And I think that that gives it kind of a weird tone and maybe kind of makes it feel like, I don't know if that's him trying to be in on the joke or if that's just him trying to bring a new element into what he does. But uh, it, it is kind of weird because none of the comedy is funny. No. So it all just lands like really flat. So it is kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it might be the worst. 
in in a lot of ways but i, I some of those ways are fun like like you said like all these mansion green screen <laughs> scenes like it feels like tim and eric or something like that and like it's you know just i don't even know how he meets up with these people or why they aren't alarmed that he's in their house but like you said, they're just they start talking again in the macro, like how all these people do, where it's like, oh, you know, hey, my job, this is blah blah blah, and he, and then he goes, oh, well, you're a shitty person, more or less, and yeah. then and then it's just on to the next scene, and then he blows them all up. It's all yeah, it's very Tim and Eric. If you're into that, all of the comp shots are absolutely like this. The tiger is the the cream king. of the crap. Oh my god. It is. Yeah. It is probably the greatest Neil Breen image in any. There's not even an attempt to make it look like it's part of, the or like scene. it. Yeah, that it's good at all. Right. Like I said, I'm like nonplussed by this. I am so baffled. I'm really disappointed. I'm gonna let, let's go ahead. We're already reaching almost two hours on this oh episode. <laughs> so let's wrap this up and just say, hey, what, thumbs up and thumbs down on pass through. Down without any question. Uh, I will never watch this turd again. Well, I ain't going to guarantee that. I might watch this again because I need kind of like Parker with uh, Double Down. I might need to peel this onion a little bit more. Oh, I might yeah. need to do this. I think that's a good call. I think you should go back to this one. I, I had a lot of fun watching this. I think that you guys are right. It is like probably the one he spent the least amount of time on and just wanted to get out. And I think that shows... So it's made badly, even for Neil Breen. But I, th- and I, I mean, also we all watched this one last, so maybe we just have Breen fatigue. Maybe that contributed. <laughs> that's that's a real medical condition, Breen fatigue. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I, maybe that did it. Maybe if you take a break for a few months and come back, I, I don't know. I thought this was fun. I, I thought that the you know the ambition made it a lot of fun to watch. Like the fact that he had people who think that they're real actors, I think maybe helped this movie. And it it gives it a dimension, at least that the other ones don't have. There are scenes in this where there are like 10 people in the shot. And I, and I, it's fun to watch Neil Breen play with that kind of stuff and watch how goofy that can be. Yeah. Because they still all act like they're not really talking to each other. They don't act like people actually interact with each other. You know what I thought was like the, the weirdest scene in this whole movie uh, was when Neil Breen, they ask him what his name is, and he says it's Till, which is light because spelled he, backwards. Yeah, because he looked at that yogurt. He looked at a rotten yogurt container in the desert. But then when the girl is like, Till, and then spells out light and looks at him, and it's like, Then there's a cutaway. That's light spelled backwards. It's a nilbog moment. Are you from, sure. it is a nilbog moment. <laughs> and then he's like, and then he's like, and then her first question isn't like, why'd you lie to me about your name? It's, are you a fucking alien? And where do you come from? <laughs> it was, that's a, that's a A to B connection. I babe. guess so. <laughs> it must be, must be lovers on an astral plane. Oh no, she, she understands. She yeah, got the brain I mean. They're connected on the astral plane, Derek. She, I don't remember. Did she ever get the, the red dot on her head? No. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know. Why am I trying to, like, <laughs> figure this out? I'll I figure thought out that eventually. was a strange jump. Uh, I, the only way I could see this being a thumbs up if you're smoking heavy doobies 
and you're sitting back and you want some yucks. There's some, there's some fun stuff in this, but otherwise, yeah, this is a big thumbs down. Very disappointed. We, I may have brain fatigue. I, I may like, have it. I feel like it was trying really hard to, to, and all of his movies send a mess, have very overt messages. But I think what took me out of it was that I think he was trying to send um, kind of a covert message about like this metaphysical state that we all share, which mm-hmm. was really fucking obnoxious. To me. <laughs> well, yeah, he obviously is really into new age stuff, yeah. really into technology, really socially conscious about the state of mm-hmm. corporate America taking over the little man. Yeah. And he's angry about it and he's going to yell it in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's Neil Breen. Yeah. Also another thing that makes this real, weird is that this one seems like he's getting into politics a little bit more specifically than before like before it was just like all the politicians are corrupt and i hate them and this one it it (laughs) seems like he almost kind of comes out to say like comment on specific issues which i think is weird maybe he will do that more in the future and talk very specifically about things also turns out neil breen not a uh not very into political correctness, which I would not have guessed <laughs> um, as he rants about that a little bit on this. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought this was fun. It's uh, it's dumb, though. Uh, maybe nobody should. Don't spend $35 to see it. That's No, sure. absolutely don't. I've Numerous friends of mine have told me that it, and I, I yelled at them first for not getting me into Neil Breen earlier when they knew about it. I'm like, why were you fucking holding out on me about the Breen? <laughs> I was pissed at first, but then they told me their story about how when you go to the, cause each of these movies has a website dedicated and to them. Dot biz. Can I point out that they are dot biz? All of them. <laughs> All of them. And you order the movie from him and you figure, you know, it's, it's relatively cheap to do, dvds i mean we had a dvd run for hole in the wall and that didn't cost a hell of a lot figuring neil breen the exposure he has he'd make his money back in no time flat the movies you get when you spend and i and please listen to this take a minute sit down and listen to this when you spend 30 fucking dollars on a standard definition dvd you get a jewel case in a DVD with a printed sticker on it that says the movie in a copyright warning and he signs it. That's it for 30, a dying format, $30. I can't imagine there are any special features or a commentary or anything. Like I no. bet it's just the movie, not even oh, a I menu. There's no menu. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's rough. Well, my bud was so pissed. He tried getting a refund and Breen wouldn't do it. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> he's like i still love the movies but man i was pissed i think he did that for faithful findings but anyways you can uh, buy his movies legally even though i heard supposedly once he sells out of the movies he doesn't reprint them so if you really want to see these faithful findings is on amazon prime for free mm-hmm. and uh double down and i am here now right now are on youtube mm-hmm. you can check them out there pass through the only way you can see it is $30 on his website for the shitty burned DVD. Gosh. So you pull the trigger on that one. That's so But insane. that's the, the Breen-ness. Let's go ahead and give our final thoughts on this Breen experience of whether or not 
we should r- recommend to shitty movie fans, Neil Breen. Uh, Ray, overall, going through these movies, how do you feel? Do you have brain fatigue? <laughs> uh, I have brain damage. Um, <laughs> but I, I would definitely, I have already been recommending Breen to friends. I, I only found out about him uh, maybe a month before, you know, I saw your posts on Facebook. And I have already been recommending his movies to, uh, you know, those, those friends that I, I know will appreciate it. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend them. And, and I will be watching Passing Through at some point since I haven't seen it yet. You motherfuckers all holding out on me. I swear <laughs> to God, damn, I don't believe in God. Whoa. But everybody, everybody's holding out on me on this brain. I, I might have a complex about this. Gosh, I can't believe this. All the stuff I tell my friends. <laughs> they, they, they hold out on me on the brain. This is like gold. So, uh, oh, geez. I'll forgive you this time, Ray. Amanda, Breen, final thoughts. I really enjoyed watching this catalog of movies. I can't say I will come back to them again with the exception of Fateful Findings. But I appreciate his enthusiasm and luster. Okay. Parker, final thoughts. I love this guy. I I think his (laughs) movies are immensely enjoyable and watchable just on an entertainment value. Uh, I mean, most of it's ironic, uh, but they're still very enjoyable. And I just really like that there's a guy out there putting what seems to be a reasonable amount of his own money, I can't imagine it being any other way, into these movies where he has something to say. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, love, I love dudes like David Dakota and Jim Wynorski, but I mean, they just come out with, you, you know, they're just making whatever garbage they can to make a dollar. And I feel like Neil, Neil Breen is the opposite of that kind of stuff. And it's, it's interesting, even if it's bad. So uh, thumbs up to this man. Yeah, I agree. It's nice to see somebody out there. These these are kind of genreless films. He really it really feels like he especially with Double Down, it feels like, you know, he had seen a number of 80s espionage thrillers and decided, you know, one day, you know what? I want to make some of those at some point in my life. But didn't understand what made them good at all. I still love like like you just said he's not out there trying he's trying to make a buck obviously but he his artistic values are in the forefront like he wants to try and make something that means more than just some schlocky genre affair so that is it's admirable but let's all be quite honest about this and real these are movies to ironically like. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't imagine anybody genuinely watching these other than Neil Breen himself when he's sitting around in his I'm the greatest man ever uh, castle. Um, I can't imagine anybody else sitting down and really saying, man, this changed my life. This is a great movie. I would say um, that I would watch these films again. Um, but the caveat has to be I'm with a group of friends. I don't I would never sit down and watch this film like by myself one day while you were at work or like me and the dog are eating a grilled no. cheese. I'm not going to pop one of these movies. These are group movies. You know, without a doubt. I've always said on the show that I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I just believe in pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these movies, 
I have a lot of fun with them. Other than pass through, I have a lot of fun with these movies. So if you're like me and you like shit like Boarding House and Howling New Moon Rising and crap like that, Neil Breen movies are right in there. If you're looking for genuine genre fare, pass these things by. They are real movies <laughs> whatsoever. These are great. Have a few brews, mm-hmm. smoke some heavy dubs, sit back and giggle with your buds, and you're going to have a good time with these movies. So I recommend go check them out, especially because you can mostly see them for free for now until Breen wisens up and decides to yank all of them off the internet. So... Having said that, this is the part of the show where we shamelessly shill the fuck out of you. Ray, do you have anything you want to shill at this time? I don't. I don't. My name's Ray, and that about covers it. Uh, (laughs) It's wonderful to have you on the show again, Ray. Hopefully, the next time you come on won't be four years from now. That'd be nice. So, yeah, that that would be awesome. (laughs) Awesome. I know Amanda never has anything to say. Do you want to say anything to my audience? Not particularly. Okay. She doesn't give a fuck about any of you. (laughs) So, um, Parker Bowman, go ahead. Tell the people where they can find all of your amazing wares. Uh, Well, I do a weekly podcast called The Junk Food Dinner. It's at junkfooddinner.com. Every week we talk about three culty weirdo movies and argue about them. And uh, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, It's also on a Facebook and on your uh, podcast app of choice. I also do a podcast every other week called Pool Party Radio, which is about how terrible it is to be alive, how much we don't like that. (laughs) And uh, it's at poolpartyradio.com and Facebook and Twitter and all your podcast apps and everything like that. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Parker. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. So from all of us here at Astro Radio Z, pull out those sleeveless, cut off jean jackets with the medals and go out there and make a difference, people. Good night. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.
I don't feel so good. Cancer chemo is kicking my ass. I always wanted to see this before I died. I only have a month to live.